Good evening, this is Caleb Arend with the Walk with God podcast and YouTube channel, recording for uh, Tuesday, June 9th, 2020. We're going to be reading from Psalm 127, 1 Kings chapters 5 and 6, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28 through 30, and then Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 29 tonight. Before we get started, let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the word that you have given us, that we can study it, that we can know what you've done, what you've said, what you have said that uh, was prophesied before you sent your Son into the world to save men from their sins, and what you've said is uh, going to come to pass as well, and what you want the church to do. Help us, Lord, I pray, to learn well what you want us to do with the bodies that you have given us, with the salvation and the eternal life that you have given us. Help us to understand what your calling, what your purpose is for our lives, and help us to apply your principles to our lives in order to make that life, our life, worth living and worth uh, being well rewarded for and being able to hear that, that phrase that you say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Please revive us again. Please revive our country again to seek after your face and to stand for your principles and to live by your word. Lord, we so desperately need your influence, your word in our lives. I pray that you would turn our country, Lord, to focus on you again. Lord, help us to revive us again. Please help us to send out laborers into your harvest to show those who can, uh, do not know you how they can know you, how they can be saved, and how they can grow according to your word. Lord, please lead and guide our president, our vice president, our congressmen and women, our governors, our mayors. Please protect and keep safe our National Guard and our law enforcement and those that are trying to keep law and order. Please protect them. Please shield them and shelter them from any harm that would come their way or any hazards in their daily life. Lord, please protect them. Please give your pastors, your preachers, your evangelists, your missionaries the words to speak and the direction of where to go and the boldness and the courage to proclaim your word and your son there. Lord, please revive us again. Please send labors in your harvest. Please save the people of this world. Help them to turn to you. Help them to hear that call, feel that need for you in their lives. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And we also pray for the healing of Joel, of Scarlet, of uh, Lila, of Julia De La Fuente. We pray for the healing of Miss Carmela Kaltenberger and Grandma Delano and Grandpa um, uh, Grandpa Delano and Grandpa Napuo Noah, and we pray for the healing and the growth of baby Edith, and we pray for um, Julia and Victoria and their mother Tina, and we pray for your leading and your providence in their lives for the work and experience hours that they need for college and for the funds and their leading and guidance that they need in their lives from you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for blessing. Thank you for leading and guiding and protecting. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now turning to Psalm 127. This is a song of degrees for Solomon, it says. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. 
Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And that's a, a beautiful psalm that reminds us that uh, unless the Lord is establishing what we are going to do, unless the Lord had been calling and providing and leading in the way, except the Lord build the house, except the Lord keep the city, everything and everybody else that is trying to do and put forth some effort into that is just laboring in vain. Uh, it says it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. God has given us sleep for a good purpose in our lives, to help us to recover from the strain and from the stress and from the work of the day. And when we ignore our body's need for rest and for sleep, we're ignoring something that the Lord has Pro, uh, provided and built directly into our lives. Uh, and also, that is the same for children as well. If we ignore the need for raising up a good godly family, then we'll be outnumbered and in due time by those that are not raising a godly family and those that are raising a family out of wedlock or those that are just fathering children and then leaving and not being any part of a family. And sadly, there are too many of those today. Thankfully, the Lord has promised that he will be the father to the fatherless. And we, uh, we should definitely do our part. We should pray and we should provide as the Lord had made provision for the fatherless and for those that were in need in the societies of Israel. But we should do that in uh, the ways that the Lord is directing us and guiding us to and maybe uh, personally leading us to. But happy is the man that hath many children. It says that they are the fruit of the womb is his reward. And so this is something to look uh, very positively on. Children are not a burden in God's eyes. Children are a great reward in his eyes, and they should be uh, considered an honor and a reward just as the Lord is defining here. Now, turning to the book of First Kings, we're going to read from chapters 5 and 6 tonight. And it says, And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants unto Solomon, for he had heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his father. For Hiram was a, ever a lover of David. And Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, Thou knowest how that David, my father, could not build an house unto the name of the Lord his God, for the wars which were about him on every side, until the Lord had put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side, so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrent. And behold, I pray purpose to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. Now therefore command thou that they hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon, and my servants shall be with thy servants. And unto thee will I give hire for thy servants, according to all that thou shalt appoint. For thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. And it came to pass, when Hiram heard the words of Solomon, that he rejoiced greatly, and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, which hath given unto David a wise son over this great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered the things which thou sentest to me for, and I will do all that thy desire concerning timber of cedar, and concerning timber of fir. 
My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon unto the sea, and I will convey them by sea in floats unto the place that thou shalt appoint me, and will cause them to be discharged there, and thou shalt receive them, and thou shalt accomplish my desire in giving food for my household. So Hiram gave Solomon cedar trees and fir trees according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram twenty thousand measures of wheat for food to his household, and twenty measures of pure oil. Thus gave Solomon to Hiram year by year. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and they too made a league together. And King Solomon raised a levy out of all Israel, and the levy was thirty thousand men. And he sent them to Lebanon, ten thousand a month by courses. A month they were in Lebanon, and two months at home, and Adoniram was over the levy. And Solomon had threescore and ten thousand that bear burdens, and fourscore thousand hewers in the mountains. Beside the chief of Solomon's officers, which were over the work, three thousand and three hundred, which ruled over the people that wrought in the work. And the king commanded, and they brought great stones, costly stones, and huge stones, to lay the foundation of the house. And Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders did hew them, and the stone squarers, so they prepared timber and stones to build the house. Chapter 6 And it came to pass in the four hundred and eightieth year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziph, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. And the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, the length thereof was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof twenty cubits, and the height thereof thirty cubits. And the porch before the temple of the house, twenty cubits was the length thereof, according to the breadth of the house, and ten cubits was the breadth thereof, before the house. And for the house he made windows of narrow lights. And against the wall of the house he built chambers round about, against the walls of the house round about, both of the temple and of the oracle, and he made chambers round about. The nethermost chamber was five cubits broad, and the middle was uh, six cubits broad, and the third was seven cubits broad, for without in the wall of the house he made narrowed rests round about, that the beams should not be fastened in the walls of the house. And the house, when it was in building, was built of stone, made ready before it was brought thither, so that there was neither hammer, nor axe, nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. The door for the middle chamber was in the right side of the house, and they went up with winding stairs into the middle chamber, and out of the middle into the third. So he built the house, and finished it, and covered the house with beams and boards of cedar. And then he built chambers against all the house, five cubits high, and they rested on the house with timber of cedar. And the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this house which thou art in building, if thou wilt walk in my statutes, and execute my judgments, and keep all my commandments to walk in them, then will I perform my word with thee, which I spake unto David thy father, and I will dwell among among the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the house and finished it. And he built the walls of the house within with boards of cedar, both the floor of the house and the walls of the ceiling. And he covered them on the inside with wood, and covered the floor of the house with planks of fir. And he built twenty cubits on the sides of the house, both the floor and the walls with boards of cedar. He even built them for it within, even for the oracle, even for the most holy place. And the house, that is, the temple before it, was forty cubits long. And the cedar of the house within was carved with knops and open flowers 
flowers, all was cedar, there was no stone seen. And the oracle he prepared in the house within to set there, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And the oracle in the forepart was twenty cubits in length, and twenty cubits in breadth, and twenty cubits in the height thereof. And he overlaid it with pure gold, and so covered the altar which was of cedar. So Solomon overlaid the house within with pure gold, and he made a partition by the chains of gold before the oracle, and he overlaid it with gold. And the whole house he overlaid with gold, until he had finished all the house. Also the whole altar that was by the oracle he overlaid with gold. And within the oracle he made two cherubims of olive tree, each ten cubits high. And five cubits was the one wing of the cherub, and five cubits was the other wing of the cherub. From the uttermost part of the one wing unto the uttermost part of the other were ten cubits. And the other cherub was ten cubits. Both the cherubims were of one measure and one size. The height of the one cherub was ten cubits, and so was it of the other cherub. And he set the cherubims within the inner house, and they stretched forth the wings of the cherubims, so that the wing of the one touched the one wall, and the wing of the other cherub touched the other wall, and their wings touched one another in the midst of the house. And he overlaid the cherubims with gold, and he carved all the walls of the house round about with carved figures of cherubims and palm trees and open flowers within and without. And the floor of the house he overlaid with gold within and without. And for the entering of the oracle he made doors of olive tree, the lintel and side posts were a fifth part of the wall. The two doors also were of olive tree, and he carved upon them carvings of cherubims and palm trees and open flowers, and overlaid them with gold, and spread gold upon the cherubims and upon the palm trees. So also made he for the door of the temple, posts of olive tree, a fourth part of the wall, and the two doors were of fir tree, the two leaves of the one door were folding, and the two leaves of the other door were folding, and he carved thereon cherubims, and palm trees, and open flowers, and covered them with gold fitted upon the carved work. And he built the inner court with three rows of hewed stone and a row of cedar beams. In the fourth year was the foundation of the house of the Lord laid in the month Ziph. And in the eleventh year, in the month Bull, which is the eighth month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof, and according to all the fashion of it, so was he seven years in building it. So in First Kings chapter 5, we see that Solomon begins to prepare to build the temple, and he does this by making agreements of trade with some of the men, especially Hiram, king of Tyre, who had many of the materials that he needed, the raw materials, to build the house of the Lord. He also, he gathered many of the workers, it says 30,000 workers, to go and take turns rotating one month they would go 10,000 of them a third of them to work uh, with the servants of Hiram king of Tyre to hew down these string trees to bring them to the sea to float them down to Israel to transport them over land to the work and crafting areas and to develop them into the planks into the boards and into the specific types of, of shapes of the wooden figures that they needed to be able to fit them when they take them to Jerusalem and also of uh, of stone masons and of stone hewers in the mountains they Solomon sent a number of the people of Israel into the mountains to hew these stones as well. And so throughout all this, he combined and he brought people from all over uh, the nation of Israel to serve in this work. And as he was doing this, 
He was getting all of Israel to all participate together in building the house of the Lord. He was taking the lead on it. He was uh, taking the lead in kind of the designing of it, especially with the designs that the Lord would want him to use and with some of his kind of master carpenters and master builders and master stonemasons to help design this. But he was making sure that it was all going according to the plans and to the agreements that he had made. And he traded with Hiram, food for his household, providing him wheat and olive oil each year of the seven years that the house was in building. And then in chapter 6, we see that they begin the actual building of the temple, and we see that uh, it has the dimensions listed for the temple, and it has the amazing part of this, that all of this all of the temple was laid and was built and was constructed without even any metal tool being heard throughout the city of Jerusalem. They might have used some wooden hammers just kind of, to kind of knock the boards and maybe knock the stones into place a little bit as they needed. But for the large majority of this, they fitted them. They made sure that they could fit before they even ever took them to Jerusalem. This is an amazing amount of detail and perfection in their craftsmanship to be able to do this, to bring it all to Jerusalem and to build it without ever hearing a uh, this the sound of a metal tool in the city. That is amazingly masterful craftsmanship to do that. Now, also we see that it took seven years to build this temple. And that is especially because of just how much detail work went into this entire temple. I mean, almost every plank of every board that they had laid on the inside of it, on, on the outside of it, especially on the inside, had these carvings in each little board and had carvings of cherubims, had carvings of flowers, had carvings of almonds, had carvings of palm trees. And then even after they made all of these carvings, they then overlaid all of them with gold. They made these gigantic cherubs that were in the most holy place in the oracle, it says, and by the oracle, it says, and then they overlaid them even with gold. This is a massive amount of gold that was going into the construction and the beautification of this temple. And by the time it was done, which it took a full seven years to complete it, it would have been just a, an amazingly, astoundingly beautiful sight to go into this and to see all of the this beautiful firwood and this beautiful cedar wood and overlaid and covered with gold everywhere you look with this a uh, combination of, of natural wooden uh, colors and, and wooden themes and then also the combination of the beautiful golden themes over all of the instruments that are being used in this temple. It would have been absolutely gorgeous. And it really would have given a an atmosphere and a feel as you walk into the temple of, wow, how great God is that this is his temple to worship the living God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, that brought the people of Israel out of the uh, out of Egypt and into the promised land and has now established their kingdom to be able to worship him now in this temple here and he would be looking at this temple constantly listening for the prayers of the those that would be worshiping him and praying unto him from this place. Now 
we're going to have to uh, leave that where it is for today. We're going to continue that tomorrow, but now we're turning to the book of Proverbs, and we're reading from Proverbs chapter 16, verses 28 through 30. And it says, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A violent man enticeth his neighbor, and leadeth him into the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. And we see that a froward man, and defining what a froward man is, is that a man that refuses to go in the straight and direct path of righteousness and of the right way. And we see that that froward man, that even if he veers off that path just uh, just a small degree each and every time, that over time that builds up to many, many separations from the right paths. And he sows strife in that way. And because every time that he's having an influence on his neighbor, that, that uh, frowardness, that degree of veering from rightness is creating these problems. And uh, a whisperer, it says, uh, those that are spreading gossip and spreading secrets and spreading those things that should not be shared and maybe just that extra detail that is just a little unnecessary. He may be separating chief friends. He might be giving that information that uh, those very best friends, they don't really need to know and it causes strife and it causes problems in their relationship from that point forward because of that. And we see that a violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into the way that is not good. So this violent man, he wants others to follow after him. He wants to be influential and so he entices, he uh, convinces them of all the good things that they will gain from following after him while not letting them know about all the evil things and all of the wicked things and all of the bad consequences that will also follow. And he leads him into this way that is not good. He shuts his eyes. He closes his eyes. He thinks in his own mind. He thinks with his brain about how he can bring these evil things to path and these froward things, those things that are not along the right path and that veer off wrong, away from from the right trajectory and moving his lips then uh, to enact and to plan and to convince others to follow after this plan of how these evil thoughts will be formulated and schemes made in his mind, moving his lips then he bringeth it to pass. And we should not listen to those that are devising evil things, that constantly are devising ways to corrupt society or could to corrupt others or that are constantly whispering and backbiting and uh, spreading mischief and lies or spreading that extra details and things that are unnecessary that cause problems in relationships. Now, turning to the book of Acts, we're going to read from chapter 7 tonight, verses 1 through 29. And it says, then said the high priest, Are these things so? Speaking of Stephen, when Stephen was before the council here, then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. 
the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Quran, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in Haran, and from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell, and he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession, and to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. And God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage, and entreat them evil four hundred years. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God, and after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac, and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him, and delivered him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And at the second time Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph, and called his father Jacob to him, and all his kindred, threescore and fifteen souls. So Jacob went down into Egypt, and died, he and our fathers, and were carried over into Sychem, and laid in the sepulchre that Abraham bought for a sum of money of the sons of Emor, the father of Sychem. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose which knew not Joseph. The same dealt subtly with our kindred, and evil entreated our fathers, so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live, in which time Moses was born, and was exceeding fair, and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up, and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him, and avenged him that was oppressed, and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Median, where he begat two sons. So here in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is answering to the accusations and to the charges that they had brought false witnesses and set up these false witnesses to claim against him, namely that this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And so they are accusing him both of wanting to destroy the temple, to destroy their 
customs and their culture and to destroy the law of Moses and, and the history that they had been so proud of. And so Stephen, when he is asked by the high priest, are these things so? He is answering this question and answering these accusations. And so he begins to list the history and remind all of the, the people, all of his brethren, all of the other Jewish people there and all the rest of the Israelites there whom they had all been descended from Abraham, from Isaac, from Jacob, from the 12 patriarchs, from Moses on down. He is reminding them of their history. He's reminding them where Moses came from. He's reminding them and reciting the history of their nation, how God provided, how God met the promises that he had promised unto Abraham to multiply his seed even when he had no son, and how he promised to uh, send them down into 400 years and that how they didn't have a way of accomplishing this. But when they sold Joseph into Egypt, God made this evil and this wrong that his brothers had done to him to fulfill the prophecy that God had said that they would be in Egypt for 400 years and oppressed then, and then that they would be delivered by Moses. And this is where then we are kind of leaving off here that Moses uh, wanting to reconnect and reestablish with his brethren, with the people of Israel, uh, tried to reconnect with them. But as he was defending one of them and killed an Egyptian, then they thrust him away from them and they rejected him. And so he then fled and fled away from Egypt into Midian, where he hid himself and was a shepherd for 40 years. And so this is the first part of Stephen's argument of why he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and why he believes that he has fulfilled all of the prophecies and fulfilled all of the Old Testament, even from Moses and from uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob until the prophets and until now that he is being questioned here. And he's setting this up with the knowledge and with the customs, with the history, with the background that they all know, that they all understand, that they're all agreeing to. And this is a, a an approach that we can use when we are answering questions and answering difficult things that people are trying to accuse us of. We start with the basics. We start with the foundation that everyone knows and agrees with, and then we move forward from there to the point where they are diverging or breaking away from common sense or from the truth of Scripture, and that is when we then boldly approach how that divergent thing is incorrect compared to the truth of the Lord God and his holy word that he has revealed. And we cite chapter and verse and we show them exactly where it is wrong. And we don't have to apologize for that. We boldly proclaim it. But we do so also in a spirit of kindness and of love and that we all want the Lord's truth, his perfect truth to be well established and not lies to be spread abroad. Now, friend, I truly hope this has been a blessing for you to study the Word of God with me today. I look forward to seeing the second half, then, of Stephen's argument here before the Council of Elders and before the Council of Jerusalem. But in the meantime, if you have any praises or prayer requests, I would love to pray with you for those. Please send them to me at wwwcaleb at gmail.com. That's wwwcaleb at gmail.com, and I'll be sure to look for those. Thanks once again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow for the next Walk With God podcast.